Tired of complex and high credit card processing fees? It's time to simplify. Whether you own a big business or a small startup, Empower Payments can save you money. Streamline your payment process while saving money today with Empower Payments. Learn more at EmpowerPayments.com. That's EmpowerPayments.com. All to Superpools and this dream can become a reality in no time. Superpools is also excited to announce that we have added concrete pool building to our repertoire. Call Superpools today at 316-880-3900 or check out SuperpoolsUSA.com to see some of our outstanding work. And remember, we dig fun. Finding great candidates to hire can be like, well, trying to find a needle in a haystack. Sure, you can post your job to some job board, but then all you can do is hope the right person comes along, which is why you should try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com free. ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. Its powerful technology identifies people with the right experience and actively invites them to apply to your job. You get qualified candidates fast. So while other companies might deliver a lot of hay, ZipRecruiter finds you what you're looking for. The needle in the haystack. Four out of five employers who post a job in ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. ZipRecruiter. The smartest way to hire. And right now, you can try ZipRecruiter for free. That's right, free. Just go to this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash free. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash free. ZipRecruiter.com slash free. How long does it take to tackle a home project? With Angie, you could cross it off your list before this ad is over. Just tell us what you need. Indoor or outdoor, repair or redesign. And we handle the rest sending a top pro to get it done. You don't have to lift a finger, except to tap the screen or click the mouse. Plus, Angie is free to use. So bring us your next home project and we'll bring it home. Download the app or go to Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com to get started. This is SportsCenter. Christine Lisi. The Bears have a huge decision to make at quarterback. Keep Justin Fields. Trade the first overall pick in April's draft. Trade Fields. Use the pick on the QB. GM Ryan Poles told reporters a call on quarterback will come as soon as possible, but they won't be in a rush. We'll do what's best for the organization. That would be drafted quarterback. North Carolina's Drake May, to be specific, advises ESPN NFL analyst Tim Hasselbeck. I think that he's as good of a prospect what I've seen in, in over a decade. I just think when you look at the size-athleticism combination, the production at the college level, and then also, you know, the traits that he already possesses, and then what that could translate into at the next level. I, I think there's so many boxes that he checks with that. Broncos coach Sean Payton said a decision on quarterback Russell Wilson's future with the organization will come within the next few weeks. Most around the league believe that he'll be cut by Denver. NBA ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski is reporting the 76ers expect big man Joel Embiid back from a knee injury late next month. Phillies lost 8 of 12 without him, is fifth in the East. Hey, it's Evan Cohen coming up Wednesday. We'll recap everything that happens at the Combine. Plus, can the Lakers make a championship run? It's on Sportsmanlike, 6 a.m. Eastern, right here on ESPN Radio, ESPN2, and ESPNU. This is a public service announcement sponsored by Just Blaze and the good folks at Rockefeller Records. Fellow Americans, it is with the utmost pride and sincerity that I present this recording as a living testament and recollection of history in the making during our generation. Allow me to reintroduce myself. My name is O, O, H to the O, 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 O
Welcome back. It is our number two here on the Pulse on Wichita Sports Leader, ESPN Wichita 92.3 FM, streaming in a couple different places online at ESPNWichita.com. Tune in app on your smartphone. And if you have a smart speaker, you can tell that thing to tune into ESPN Wichita 92.3 FM. Allow me to reintroduce myself. My name is Pat Strothman. Producing is Jack Johnson. The number of the call this second hour is 316-669-4996. Won't be able to do that until after our guest of honor here in hour number two. 316-669-4996. Text line number is 316-247-0923. Have any thoughts on what we've talked about today? Any thoughts on K-State to potentially make it the NCAA tournament? Court storming, talk, whatever you want to do. Drop it on the text line at 247-0923. We also have social media, Twitter slash X, Instagram, Facebook. Just type in ESPN Wichita and we will pop up. Coming up, K-State wins a wild game last night inside Bramwich Coliseum. We'll get into that shortly. After that, we have a Take-Two Tuesday with Jack Johnson But right now, we go to the phones. It is a Tuesday with Taylor Eldridge from the Wichita Eagle. He's presented to you by You Build It Wichita, where your home's in your hands. Customers save 20% or more on their dream home. Call or text 316-260-2044. That is 316-260-2044. Well, Taylor, it wasn't quite like... What we saw last night at Brambridge Coliseum, it's not like Wichita State led by 25 and then saw Temple rally to get the get the lead, and then Wichita State came back to win in overtime. But it was another double-digit lead that was squandered by the Wichita State Shockers. Temple gets a couple of key offensive rebounds. Shockers couldn't hit free throws at the right time, and Temple winds up getting the win 72-66 in overtime inside the roundhouse. Lots of stuff continues to pop up here for this Wichita State team. Offensive rebounding, missed free throws, offensively maybe things become challenging. What was your overall takeaway from the game on Sunday? Yeah, that was, uh, you know, probably rock bottom for this team. You know, it's uh, a lot of those losses have come on the road. Uh, you know, when they've built double-digit leads, I think this was the first one that they've seen slip away at home. And to have it come against the last-place team, you know, in Temple, uh, you know, they've only won three conference games, and two of them have come against WSU. So that's a tough one to swallow for WSU, especially after they had played, you know, pretty well against Tulsa. You know, earlier in the week, it felt like, uh, you know, they had that team meeting, felt like they had cleared the air. They were turning a corner. You know, the schedule was set up for them to make, uh, you know, build some momentum down the stretch and and see if they could, you know, make something happen in the conference tournament. And then, uh, yeah, to play that second half, it was just so rough. Uh, definitely a step back and, uh, you know, just really disheartening, uh, you know, for a, for a team that was so desperate to, to build momentum. So, that's a tough one to swallow. Uh, not sure where they go from here. I'll be curious to see how the energy looks like, you know, tomorrow night on the road. 
uh, against a pretty good team in UAB. So uh, that that'll tell a lot about you know how much heart this team has. Yeah, and and that's the thing. It's just it's just more of the same with this Wichita State team. You know what I thought was interesting though. I thought there for a moment that Wichita State maybe for the first time all year would find a way to overcome one of the the worst shooting performances for Colby Rogers. I thought they would find a way to to grind it out, which I know there are no moral victories and no one's looking for silver linings, but I thought that in itself might have been a silver lining to where if you can overcome your top score being, what, 3 of 14 from the floor, if you can overcome that, then you can overcome lots of things. But turns out that uh, did not happen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and, uh, you know, you look back, and it was it was a little reminiscent of that South Dakota State game uh, where WSU just could not make anything around the rim. And I just posted a, kind of a montage on my, uh, my Twitter. I went back and clipped all the – the just point blank misses. You know, um, you look back and WSU's offense was actually, um, you know, not or the, the quality of shots that they got w- was pretty high. You know, they got they generated a lot of really good looks right at the rim, and they just missed. You know, I, I'm not sure what more you can do. Uh, you know, if you're if you're a coach, uh, to you know, if you get that amount of shots right at the rim. You, I mean, I guess you just have to live with it if you're going to shoot, you know, 35% on those. So uh, that that was, like I said, a tough one to swallow for WSU. So many missed opportunities. Uh, and not just the bunnies, too. You know, Kenny Poto was fouled on, you know, three that were, you know, should have been baskets. Uh, then he goes to the free throw line, splits mm-hmm. all three of them. And then Colby Rogers had one where, you know, he's fouled on a layup, goes to the free throw line, Splits the uh, splits uh, both of his trips to the line, so you know those, those little things just add up. You know that's five missed points just left on the board, on top of you know probably you know they probably should have scored you know twelve, fourteen more points just on the looks that they were getting in the paint, and then you you go to the turnovers, uh, only ten. They did a good job, you know, generally limiting turnovers. I mean that's a team that's you know usually above sixteen. Uh, so the limit to 10 is good, but, you know, the timing in the second half especially just were very costly, and almost all of them were atomic bombs, which means that they led to points at the other end for Temple. I think uh, I was just posting that on my my Twitter too. So, uh, you know, stuff like that just adds up, and, you know, it's so tough to overcome when you're leaving that many points on the board you know, in the paint at the free throw line, then you're giving Temple, you know, six, eight points on just runouts because of uh, you're turning the ball over. So, uh, you know, in that regard, almost a little impressive that they were even uh, in that game with how poorly they played the second half. But, uh, you know, when you're up 10, um, that's just a, that's a game you have to, you have to win, you know, at home against the last place team in the conference. If you're gonna, you know, make something happen at the end of the year, that was one that WSU had to had to close out. Taylor Aldridge from the Wichita Eagle joining us here on the polls. He's brought to you by you build at Wichita Shockers followed the Temple on Sunday. With you watching so much film and clipping so many different clips, what's really the the what are some of the biggest things that you're seeing on film? Everyone can sit here and watch, but you're you're the one taking the time to really slow things down and 
seeing what maybe uh, is truly causing some problems on the offensive end for Wichita State? What are some of the, the biggest things that are jumping out to you at this point in the season? Yeah, I mean, it's just uh, I, I talked to Paul Mills about this last week about just, you know, they're playing at such a higher degree of difficulty than just the the, the, the average team because they have no outside shooting to speak of outside of uh, Colby Rogers, of course. Um, so when Colby's on the floor and he has the ball, he has no shooting gravity around him because the other four players are non non threats to the defense. So like defenses are just shrinking the floor so much on WSU. And you know what does this team do best? You know it, it gets downhill. Guys like Xavier Bell, Harlan Beverly, you know they're at their best when they're attacking downhill and making plays. Um, but that's just really hard to do when you don't have any spacing and the gaps just aren't there, and that's what's led to a lot of the turnovers this season because they try to force it, but then the, you know, the, the defenses are just sagged off of, of all the non-shooters, and it's uh, just really difficult to uh, get downhill. So that's uh, the thing I'm seeing is that you know, they're just uh, um, operating uh, with just not a lot of space, and then you know, the ball handling has been suspect this season. The outside shooting hasn't hasn't come. So, you know, the offense is really facing an uphill battle just about every time. I do really like, you know, the X's and O's uh, from Paul Mills. I think that they have run good stuff um, for the most part this season. And he's even told me, he's like, you know, we're on like, you know, like page one of the playbook. We have dialed this down way, way back to, to you know, accommodate this group. So, you know, they have not even opened up what they, you know, what they were doing at Oral Roberts, you know, not even close. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's just the offense is just such a grind, such a struggle. And, uh, you know, they still uh, come up with ways to, to, you know, create space when they can. But, you know, uh, they just really run into problems with, uh, with the guards and just like the, the lack of spacing on the offense. Well, as you brought up, up next for Wichita State, the, the Shockers take on UAB. And for UAB, one of the, the new teams in the AAC, right now fourth in the American Athletic Conference. They actually pulled off a, a win against North Texas, 71-62, not too long ago. They also got a win against Tulane, 78-67. to what stands about UAB? What really stands out about this Blazers team, and how well are they going to fit in the conference moving forward? Yeah, I mean they're off to a you know fairly good start. You know, in their first year, ten and four, uh, near the top of the conference. I think they're fourth right now, but you know it's a pretty jumbled mix up there. Uh, you know, after South Florida, so uh, yeah, they're they're off to a good start, and you know I think that was. Uh, expected you know they, they've been a pretty solid program under uh, Andy Kennedy and uh, yeah I mean I think they're going to be a good uh, good addition to the conference so yeah I mean uh, for WSU though I mean this is just about it's kind of just a, a, a heart like I said just a, a heart check uh, you know how much does this team have left in it uh, you know they've taken gut punches uh, you know time and time again and then Sunday was you know, probably the worst one yet. And you you saw some frustration start to boil over on a couple players. And uh, I'm going to be curious to see, you know, just what the effort is is like on the road. You know, uh, you know, I think 
uh, you know, wouldn't it be surprising if this team just, you know, it's just too much and, uh, you know, maybe it's, uh, uh, you know, a blowout game against UAB. You know, they haven't won on the road all season. Uh, you know, if they can hang in that one, that, that'll tell me a lot about their resilience and their, you know, the grit that they have. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's just been a really tough season for, for WSU. And um, so I'm going to be curious to see how they come out tomorrow night in Birmingham. Yeah, I think we're all we all are. <laughs> I think we are all very interesting to see what type of team shows up tomorrow in Alabama. Switching over to the spring sports, looking at Wichita State baseball first, a major test this past weekend, taking on two teams there in the top twenty-five, but also taking on an SEC team. Wichita State nearly pulled off the dub. In the opener there in Jacksonville, they followed up with a loss to Auburn, in which the team issued 16 walks. But then wrapping up that three-game tournament, if you will, although really not a tournament, but a three-day deal in Jacksonville with a win over number 18 Iowa, 12-6. to Coming up this weekend, they have that first conference, excuse me, that first home weekend that's set to take place, which is you know, rather exciting against Utah Tech. What what do you see from this Wichita State baseball team at this point? What what did they show you this past weekend in the three games that they had in Jacksonville? Yeah, I think it starts with the uh, the offense. You know, they came in and you know they were the the just you know pretty big underdogs. You know, like all three of those games and uh, you know expectations were pretty low. Uh, you know, they were probably going to feel good if they could just hang in, you know, uh, one or two of those games. And not only did they do that, but, you know, they, they you know, could have easily won uh, Friday night against Virginia, had a late lead, took a lead in the, the 10th inning and uh, couldn't close it out. And then to to have that comeback against Iowa, uh, really, really impressive, you know, to outscore them 12-1 to 1 in the final four innings. Uh, and then you just look at the offense as a whole, you know, 24 runs scored, 33 hits, six home runs. You know, all three of those teams are, you know, regional caliber opponents. So to have that kind of offensive production this early in the season very uh, was very impressive. And I think that's the takeaway for, you know, Brian Green coming away from this. You know, you feel really good about the offense uh, coming back home. And uh, um, I think that's uh, that's the thing that caught my eye was just like how – uh, explosive that offense was because you know this is a lineup with a lot of unknowns, a lot of question marks. You know, a lot of these guys are JUCO transfers or guys that didn't play a lot last season, and uh, you know they're they're stepping up right now, and it's uh, definitely made for a you know pleasant surprise for the spring sports. You know, with baseball and softball doing so well now. Yeah, and softball getting that win against Arkansas. Chloe Barber, just a freshman, uh, but she is dominating <laughs> so far her first year uh, a win against a top 20 team in Arkansas that alone is is cause for celebration but wow Chloe Barber what did what did Christy Breadbender find in, in this freshman pitcher yeah I just did a uh, feature on her after that uh, that that Arkansas win and then uh, about tying the school record for strikeouts and then two days later she breaks it you know she she adds one more 16 strikeouts in a game she had 33 strikeouts and 15 innings, uh, you know, in that tournament. So, uh, pretty incredible start for a freshman. Just wrote a story about her because I was curious, you know, how because uh, she, you know, came in fairly unheralded. You know, she was committed to UMKC uh, early in her high school career, and then that coaching staff was let go 
uh, recruiting uh, opened up her senior year and wasn't really getting any kind of offers. And it was just like a, a happenstance uh, meeting for WSU. They were out in a tournament in St. Louis area recruiting someone else, and they they came across Chloe Barber, and uh, they just like it was just a total random meeting, and she had no real offers to speak of, and Wichita State was like, uh, they, they thought they had a, a steal, and it turns out that, it, you know, it's looking like that. That's the case. So pretty interesting that, you know, she threw that hard and was still not attracting offers. Her club coach was a former head coach at uh, Minnesota for like uh, almost two decades, and she was really frustrated that Minnesota did not jump on her or any of the, the you know, regional Big Ten teams. And, uh, you know, uh, they, they let that one uh, slip through their grasp, and I think uh, the Shockers have benefited once again, you know, uh, from finding these small-town girls or, or overlooked girls, you know, in the recruiting cycle. You know, Sydney McKinney, the same thing. Addison Barnard, uh, Lauren Lucas, all were overlooked in recruiting. And, uh, you know, Wichita State has benefited from that. So just another example of, you know, Christy Bradbender, you know, bringing in some talent and it just uh, thriving at Wichita State. And also C.C. Wong, uh, you know, the, the probably the, the greatest success story so far at the plate. Uh, this was someone that didn't really play at all in Grand Canyon last year, and now WSU has getting the best out of her. Just another uh, success uh, transfer story, much like, you know, Zoe Jones. And, you know, I know uh, Sydney transferred early in her career, but it's kind of reminiscent of Zoe Jones who wasn't playing a lot at Texas Tech, came to WSU, had a really, really good end of her career, and C.C. Wong is following that trend, too. All right, Taylor, before I let you get going, state wrestling took place this past weekend. What are your, your thoughts on state wrestling? How did everything go from an area perspective? Goddard certainly had a, a great showing, and Dell. Uh, individually had a great showing, lots of stuff to certainly recap. Who were some of the performances that caught your eye? Yeah, Owen, uh, Owen Eck becoming a four-timer at Andel, first in program history. That's one of the more you know prestigious programs in the state. So uh, you know for him to be the first four-timer there, really special. Goddard gets back on track after losing or not losing, but you know not winning. State last year, uh, they won again as a team. That's nine of the last ten years, so the dynasty continues. Um, and then the, the story that I, I really liked was the story like girls wrestling. I just put, uh, put it up today uh, on Varsity Kansas about, you know, it's still in its infancy. This is only the fifth year that they've offered a state tournament. And I looked at the three Wichita area champions uh, at Derby, May South, and Capon, and kind of looked at how they're, you know, the girls are more interested in growing the game than, like, their own legacies. You know, they're obviously very, very excited, uh, you know, happy to win state, uh, two of them for the first time in their careers. But, you know, they were more happy that, you know, they're going to uh, leave a legacy behind of, you know, that, that sets the example for girls to come. Uh, you know, it's an uphill battle in the wrestling world. You know, sometimes the – the boys don't always mesh with the girls in the same wrestling room, and some of them talked about those struggles. And uh, they said that, you know, by winning state, you know, you earn respect, and it's really helped, you know, um, uh, grow grow the sport. And they've all, you know, helped recruit other girls. They spend time with them in the wrestling room. And just a really cool story about, you know, how 
these three girls have been kind of pioneers, you know, in the early years of the sport. All right, Taylor, thank you so much for joining us here today. You have a wonderful week, and we'll talk to you again soon. All right, sounds good. Thank you. Thanks, man. That's Taylor Eldridge from the Wichita Eagle. He joins us every Tuesday here on The Pulse as he's brought to you by You Build It Wichita. Lots of content coming from Taylor this past weekend, and I'm sure there's much more that is going to be released. Wichita State men's basketball taking on UAB tomorrow. We'll talk a little bit more about that on the show tomorrow. Wichita State has a game against Rice, the final home game of the 2023-24 season. We'll talk a little bit more about that, too, as we get a little bit closer. And we'll be giving away tickets to that. So if you have any interest in that, continue to listen to ESPN Wichita this week. Meanwhile, for Wichita State Baseball, going down to Tulsa, Oklahoma tomorrow to take on the Oral Roberts Golden Eagles. And then... uh, Wichita State softball was supposed to play Iowa tomorrow, but that game has been postponed slash canceled. We don't really know for sure. There could be a chance they actually lock up later on in the year. But softball off to a terrific start as well. Not a bad start for the spring sports at Wichita State University. Later on this hour at Take Two Tuesday, when we return, we do need to talk about Kansas State and what transpired last night. I still can't get over what happened last night. I'm, I know Jack couldn't get over it. Chance couldn't. Shane couldn't. It was such a wild game. What did I do for K-State? We'll tell you next here on The Pulse. The heartbeat of Wichita sports fans. The Pulse on ESPN Wichita 92.3 FM. Hey, ESPN Wichita fans, let's kick off the weekend in style at Twin Peaks West. Meet us out at Ridge and Taft starting at noon this Friday for some eats, drinks, and scenic views. We're back at the Lodge with the Shane Dennis Show and the Pulse with Pat Strothman rolling from noon to 4 this Friday. Twin Peaks West. Come enjoy scratch-made food, 29-degree drafts, and we got you covered with some swag to go along with the scenic views. Friday, ESPN Wichita 92.3 FM, Twin Peaks West. Get in zone, AutoZone. Welcome to AutoZone. Ah, is your check engine light on? The free fix finder service reads your check engine, ABS, and maintenance lights. It even sends a detailed report directly to your email. When you need to get back on the road, AutoZone's free fix finder service is here. Get the most complete free warning light report backed by technician verified fixes. Only at AutoZone. Zone, See details at AutoZone.com. Did you know a fire department responds to a fire every 24 seconds? This Fire Prevention Month, First Alert is reminding you to be prepared by installing smoke and carbon monoxide alarms on every level and in each bedroom of your home. Don't forget to add First Alert fire extinguishers on every level and in common spaces like the kitchen and know how to use them. Protect your whole home with safety you can trust by visiting firstalert.com and Lowe's stores today. Okay, you know how it feels when you've saved enough for that long-awaited home edition? Now imagine an edition on that edition. That's the feeling with Capital One, where a new savings account earns an interest rate five times the national average. That's right, five times, as represented by five times more singers. This is Banking Reimagined. Capital One, what's in your wallet? 
Terms apply. Rate comparison based on FDIC national rate. Capital One NA member FDIC. Paid for by Bar Justice. Attention. Have you or a loved one been diagnosed with cancer after using Zantac or other heartburn medications for several months? The FDA has warned that Zantac and other medications containing heartburn drug, ranitidine, may be contaminated with cancer-causing agent NDMA. Zantac may be linked to these cancers, bladder, colorectal, esophageal, intestinal, kidney, liver, ovarian, pancreatic, stomach, testicular, and uterine. If you or a loved one have been diagnosed with cancer after using Zantac or other heartburn medications for several months, call now. 800-516-9931 Never stop taking medication without first consulting a physician. Call right now for a free consultation. You may be owed significant compensation. Call 800-516-9931. 800-516-9931. That's 800-516-9931. I feel like you only play this when we specifically dedicate a segment to K-State. <laughs> is that intentional? Uh, sometimes it is, I would say. This was actually random today. This was just on the, the suggested list. And I knew it was clean okay. so I could play it. Okay. Well, I know this is like the, the big thing for K-State, isn't it? Like for Yeah, I believe it's their out. dance tunnel song. It's got to be it. It's got to be it. Because we all know you're not playing Sandstorm. You ain't doing that. It's too long of a buildup. It is too long of a buildup. Can't jump also, right into the the drop. <laughs> yeah, how would just gonna drop? Just dive right into the beat where it drops. Yeah, that ain't gonna happen. That ain't gonna happen. Well, I didn't, I didn't hear. I don't know. I guess I didn't really pay too close attention to the music because I wasn't listening at a high volume last night while watching K State West Virginia. Maybe Sandstorm did play, but man, what a crazy game it was inside Bramage Coliseum. Hopefully you were watching that game at the best sports bar in town, which is Twin Peaks. Eats, drinks, scenic views, happy hours taking place right now. You might want to rush to Twin Peaks and take part in happy hour right now because the cold temperatures are coming. So go out to Ridge and Tap and 21st and Rock and capitalize with the happy hour the best happy hour in town and might i add we're going to be at twin peaks west in a couple of days you can come say hi to shane and i or shane and me coming up on friday we'll be out there at twin peaks west which is ridge and taft by the way it'll be on a friday and you're probably wondering Maybe you aren't. Maybe you don't have to worry about this. I have to worry about this. But it is the Lenten season. So on Fridays, I honor that. I don't eat meat. It's what we do. But you're allowed to have fish. Well, guess what? I'm going to grab the beer-battered fish and chips when I'm there on Friday. Beer-battered fish and chips at Twin Peaks. You can get it for a light and fresh fare that never skimps on the flavor this beer-battered cod is served with house-made tartar, malt vinegar, and French fries. 
Score them along with a 22-ounce Miller Lite or Coors Light for just $12 every Friday through Easter. Or grab them with a soda or tea for just 10 bucks. Yeah. I'm going to have to venture away from the wings, but that's okay. I am more than happy to get the fish and chips at Twin Peaks. Ridge and Tav, 21st and Rock, come out and join us on Friday. Yeah, that K-State game, I... I still can't get over it. I had to go get my hair cut yesterday. So I hopped in my car. It takes about 20 minutes to get to my location. And while I'm driving, I'm trying to monitor the, the K-State game. And I'm like, okay, well, seems like K-State's off to a good start, making a bunch of threes. I get back in my car, drive back home, and once again, monitoring. And I look at my phone, and I go, oh, hey, look, K-State's up by... 22 points. Probably no need to continue to watch this game. I'm going to go ahead and turn on the TV and have it on anyways while I prepare for a couple different sporting events this week, a couple different broadcasts. And the next thing you know, I look up and I go, hold on, West Virginia's up by four? What just happened? How did K-State go from being up by 25 <laughs> all of a sudden trailing? Well, K-State found a way to get into overtime, and we all know what happens in overtime for Kansas State. The Wildcats tend to win, and they won an OT once again, 94-90 to over the West Virginia Mountaineers, spoiling a little bit of a homecoming for Josh Eiler, the Hemmings basketball coach at West Virginia Osborne native. We've had him on the show before, and great dude, and I thought he was going to find a way to get that win last night in Manhattan, but that was not the case. K-State found a way to get the job done. Usually if you lose a 25-point lead, rarely are you going to find enough energy and and really lock in mentally and to try to get the win. Normally if you lose all that, you're probably not going to be in the best position to win the game. West Virginia, meanwhile, sometimes when you do trail by 25, you expend all that energy to get back in the game, then you run out of juice. And maybe that's what happened to West Virginia in the extra period. Regardless, Kansas State found a way to just get it done. K-State shot it incredibly well in the first half. 11 three-pointers on just 19 attempts. And you're thinking K-State's going to break a school record for three-pointers. It's what you're thinking or break a a you know break uh maybe a conference record for K-State. I think that's what it was, potentially a conference record which would have been 16 threes for Kansas State, I think, maybe 17 around there. I have to go back and look. West Virginia battle back though and, and this is typical K-State, right? The K-State offense looks great for a, a stretch. And then all of a sudden you see a K-State team that goes in reverse. (laughs) And not in neutral, just goes in reverse. Just full-on driving probably, what, in fourth gear, and then all of a sudden you put you do damage on your transmission as you just just slam it into reverse. That's kind of what K-State basketball has been about this year. But give credit to the Cats. They needed that one to continue to stay alive. And the K-State Wildcats, they do have a glimmer of hope when it comes to reaching the NCAA tournament. After winning back-to-back games, the Wildcats are once again back in the March Madness bubble. 
If the season ended today, they would not earn a spot on the bracket, but they can still get it done. If they close out the regular season with a win against Cincinnati, that's going to be the big one. It's a road trip to Cincy. If they can get that one, I would not be surprised if they take down Iowa State. And again, that very well could be uh, a meaningless game for the Cyclones. Who knows? It all depends on how the uh, the standings shake out in the Big 12. But if K-State could get, what, maybe two wins in the Big 12 tournament, maybe there's a way that the K-State Wildcats can sneak into the big dance. There is a chance for this K-State team to do that. Arthur Kaluma, who had the big game against BYU, he had his up-and-down moments last night. I think the big thing, though, for Kansas State was to have Cam Carter bounce back in a positive way. Tyler Perry did Tyler Perry things, and we'll get more to him in just a little bit. But I felt like that was the big thing, was the fact that Cam Carter was able to bounce back in some ways. 4-13 from the field is not ideal, but 19 points and 8 rebounds with 4 assists. Going 9-10 for the free throw line, that will certainly bring the confidence level back up. Tyler Perry maybe saving the best for last. 29 points at 6 assists. He knocked down 6 threes. He was 9-10 for the free throw line. Maybe we are seeing second-half Tyler Perry. Maybe we're seeing the fourth-quarter Tyler Perry when it comes to the season. Maybe this is when he's going to turn it up a notch and lead this K-State team to an NCAA tournament appearance. Again, a lot of work to be done, but that was a very important win for the Kansas State Wildcats in order to stay alive in the NCAA tournament. Jack Johnson... I still can't get over what happened last night. Yeah, it's pretty hard to imagine, you know, a game in which one team leads by 25. Uh, has it even close toward the very end? That's exactly what happened in this game. Uh, I thought you you nailed it with K-State's offense. There's times that they can, you know, go 14 of 25 from three-point range, and then there's times they can't buy a bucket because it, it turns into a lot of standing around and hoping that, Tyler Perry, you know, shoots some 30-footer and it goes in, or Arthur Kaluma goes one-on-one and gets fouled and gets to the bucket. Uh, but when it's not flowing that well, when it's not working, you'll see stretches like that. I believe the the stretch ended up being a 38-9 to run for West Virginia or something along the lines of that. It, it's absurd to think about for a team that is the only – team in the Big 12 without double-digit wins so far. They still haven't won on the road this year. I mean, it's not a very good West Virginia team. And as no. much as I would like to say a win is a win, it's an overtime win. Uh, Jerome Tang once again gets it done. His team finds a way uh, to win when it matters most in the clutch hours of a game. The thing is, this isn't just another win. Uh, this drops you in the net rankings. I was saying this on the Shane Dennis show that Joe Lunardi said, there's nothing K-State can gain from this game. That's the unfortunate part of it. Uh, they were already in the first four or the next four out, I believe, in the most recent bracketology. You win, you beat a, a quad three team in West Virginia. You lose, it's over at that point. You're not getting into the NCAA tournament. So that was the unfortunate thing for K-State, and really credit to them in the way they opened up this game. It, it They could have slept walked. They knew about the final three games on their schedule and Cincinnati, KU on the road, then Iowa State at home. It would have been very normal for anybody in that spot to go, 
it's West Virginia. We're playing at home. The crowd was really sparse. We'll be just fine in this game. And it was just fine for 30 minutes of game action. And then all of a sudden, Raekwon Battle decided to go thermonuclear and, and got this game pretty close. And it got tight, but where they could have folded, you know, after they coughed up that lead, they trailed by three and West Virginia had the ball. They found a way to get a big bucket and then a couple of big free throws by Tyler Perry. And once that game went into overtime, everybody knows it's over at that point. Uh, I mean, eventually that streak is going to come to an end, but I can't really tell you when. Uh, maybe it would have to be on the road against an Iowa State or a Kansas or a Houston. But you get into overtime with K-State at home, I would put them up just about against anybody in the country. It feels like they just fare so well in those spots. But now it's the three-game three-game set here that they've been focused on, that they've been zoned in on. They are now 17-11, and 11, and they are, I think, is it 7-9, and 6-9 and nine in Big 12 play? Uh, they need to get to about eight or nine wins before conference play. I said they need to go 2-1 and one at bare minimum. You lose two of these games, and they're not going to be favored in two of these games against KU and Iowa State. Not sure yet on Cincinnati. Yeah. But you have to go 2-1, and one, and then in my opinion, you got to win two in the Big 12 tournament. Because uh, the only reason I'd say I don't think you get in with one, even if you go 2-1, and one, is because you'd probably draw a, a Cincinnati again or a UCF. And I don't think beating them once and then losing to a TCU or a Texas or a, a Texas Tech is going to bode well for your resume. So it still is an uphill battle here, but at least Wildcat fans can breathe easy for a little bit, a few more days, and go, the dream's not dead just yet. We've seen crazier things happen. Now, Chance Lebo pointed it out correctly about Saturday. It's an elimination game for both these teams. The loser of this game is not going to be playing in March Madness. The winner, they survive another day. Now, I'm sure K-State looks at that game in Lawrence and says, it's not likely, but our dream's not going to be dead unless we lose that second game and that final three. And it's going to come down, in my opinion, to what happens uh, against the Iowa State Cyclones in Manhattan on senior night. Should be a blast, but it's looking looking down the road a little bit. you got to take care of business first against a Cincinnati team that can cause a lot of problems for teams when they're playing at home. Well, seeing what I need to go back and look now. <laughs> now this is a different deal. What do you, what do you think K State's record is after overtime wins? I'm gonna look real quick. Under Tang? Yes. I bet isn't it like twelve and zero? I know no, I meant like I meant like after. Like I mean the oh, following game. Oh, I see what you mean. So so K State, and this is why I bring that up. There's nice thing is this happened on a big Monday game, right? So K State's gonna have time to rest up and gear up for Cincinnati, a team that very well you know could be physical. But look, you have K State going in overtime against Providence. The next day they played Miami. I don't well, not next day, two days after the fact they played Miami, and they lost to the Hurricanes ninety one to eighty three, and they were getting trounced in that game. So they're 0 on one after that overtime game. Keep in mind they had three consecutive overtime games. So, you know, they had an overtime win against Oral Roberts. They had an overtime win against North Alabama, and then they had another overtime win against Villanova. So they had three in a row. After that, that they beat LSU seventy-five to sixty. So they're you know theoretically, I guess you can go one and one or whatever. But I'm just going to go one and one for the sake of being simple. You have an overtime game against Baylor sixty-eight sixty-four. They follow that up a couple days later with a win against Oklahoma State, 70-66. So there's another win. There's three right there. You have the overtime win against Kansas. You fall to BYU. So there's your second loss. And then, of course, you have West Virginia with an overtime win. So 
I'm just pointing that out there, not trying to say that you can follow the trend and chalk up a win or chalk up a loss for Kansas State, just trying to do the math because when you do have so many overtime games, it does make you wonder about your legs and so on and so forth. But the beautiful part is, for K-State, you get plenty of time to rest up for Cincinnati. And you're and you're right, and Chance is right too, this is an elimination game for Cincinnati and Kansas State. Yeah, while I think K-State can go to Kansas and compete, I don't know if they will find a way to, to win that one. And then against Iowa State, I truly believe that could be a win for for the Wildcats. And as you brought up, with with them being at home, they become a, a different team. They, they, they really do, just like a lot of teams in the Big 12. They're at home, and it seems like that team is unstoppable at home. I'm just glad that the, the three started to fall for K-State. I'm just glad to see what the offense has been like the, the last couple of games for the Wildcats. Now, it wasn't consistent all the way through because there have been plenty of moments where you're like, this team doesn't know how to play basketball. Even Jerome Tang last night said in the post game, there are times watching that game where you go, all right, these are the cats that can probably do damage in an NCAA tournament, and then you see these cats that can't. <laughs> it's the same cats you've seen before where they can't do anything offensively. They can't hang on to the ball. They can't make three-pointers. I just like the fact that what I'm seeing from Tyler Perry during this stretch, that could determine the K-State season to me. Arthur Kaluma was was big in the last game against BYU, and, and yeah, those three, sure, they all need to play well. But if Tyler Perry can be this type of Tyler Perry, truly, if, if he can be this type of guy, that to me will decide a, a lot about K-State's fate in the NCAA tournament. And don't we know about the NCAA tournament? You can have all the all the, the greatest big men in the world. You can ha- power in the paint. You can muscle up shots. You can control rebounding. You can do a lot of things. If your guards stink, you're probably not going very far. Plain and simple. If you have bad guard play, you ain't going nowhere. Hello, Tyler Perry. Hello, Cam Carter. And now's the time. If your guards are going to play at their highest level, down the stretch, that's going to determine your success. Guard play is so crucial, especially point guard play. It's crucial for Kansas State in order to have Tyler Perry be this type of player. 316-247-0923. Feel free to let us know how you feel about K-State's wild win last night against West Virginia. Do you think this K-State team finds a way to make it to the NCAA tournament. We'll love to get your thoughts here today. 316-247-0923. When we return, not only do we have a Take-Two Tuesday, but we do have breaking news involving the Kansas City Chiefs. We already hinted at the news to open the show, but now we have more news when it comes to this situation. We'll get into it next as we wrap up the polls on a Tuesday here on ESPN Wichita. This is The Pulse on Wichita's new sports leader, ESPN Wichita 92.3 FM. Hello, this is Ben Farha with Farha Roofing. Our team of professionals would like to secure your home or business in 2024. If you have concerns regarding roofing, call Farha Roofing or visit farharoofing.com. 
Whether it's repair, service, or replacement, Farha Roofing is a team for you. Call Farha Roofing or visit us at farharoofing.com. Farha Roofing, we rise above the rest. Wendy's homestyle French toast sticks are so delicious, some are saying that they're better than their mom's breakfast. Excuse me, did you just say Wendy's French toast sticks are better than my breakfast? Mom, is that you? Answer the question. I said some people are saying that because they're so crispy on the outside and fluffy on the inside and perfect in every way. Uh-huh. And what do you think? I think it's time to tell people to choose wisely. Choose Wendy's sweet and crispy homestyle French toast sticks. That's still not an answer. At participating U.S. Wendy's during breakfast hours. Wesley Financial Group is not a law firm. This story is called The Ugly Truth About Timeshare. If you think you've done your family a favor by buying a timeshare, you need my help. Hello, I'm Chuck McDowell, CEO and founder of Wesley Financial Group. Ten years ago, I started helping folks cancel their timeshare. In the process, started what's now called the timeshare cancellation industry. Timeshare is the only thing that you can buy that you can't tell me how much it's going to cost or when it's going to end. When you buy a timeshare, you give them a blank check to fill out any amount they want for annual maintenance and assessment fees. The crazy thing is this never ends. Even when you die, your family's now going to be stuck with this burden. Stop the insanity today. Call my office now. If we take you as a client, I guarantee we'll cancel your timeshare or you'll pay nothing. Call for your free information kit. 800-384-9393. That's 800-384-9393. 800-384-9393. Tune in all season long to hear Kansas Jayhawk basketball on ESPN Wichita 92.3 FM. Presented by Baxter and Associates. McKellar on the wing. He hands back to Dickinson. He wants a second three. Why not? Hunter Dickinson on fire here early. Brought to you by Schofield Honda, White Eagle Credit Union, Burnell's Fine Jewelry and Design, Southwestern Remodeling, Twin Peaks, and Broadstroke. Well, we didn't talk about this here on the show today, but I think it's pretty straightforward. KU and BYU tonight at 7 o'clock, 5.30 pregame. KU basketball presented by Baxter and Associates. KU-BYU, we all know what BYU can do. The Cougars can shoot the cover off the ball from time to time if KU can get out there on the perimeter and chase BYU off the line. might not be a, a terrible thing. I was listening to... Hawk Talk with Bill Self last night here on the station. And I heard Brian Haney. He sent a text to the voice of the Cougars, and he got – I don't know what the deal is. I think he was asking about how many of the players are married, and I think there's like maybe four guys that are married and one guy who is is already a father. I think he was just trying to make a, a point of how experienced BYU truly is. Lots of experience with that team – so you have two somewhat older teams doing battle tonight inside Allen Fieldhouse. Of course, we will get into the recap tomorrow here on the show. We'll also revisit K-State basketball with the voice of the K-State Wildcats, Wyatt Thompson. He'll join the show at 225. And I wouldn't be surprised if there's an appearance from David Lesky from inside the crown. Should be a fun show tomorrow here on The Pulse. 
Before we get to a Take Two Tuesday, there is some news coming out of Indianapolis. We heard from Matt Verderam and Matt Derrick, for that matter, both saying that more likely LeJerry Sneed is going to get the franchise tag. Well, Jeremy Fowler of ESPN, he just tweeted, the Chiefs have informed LeJarius Sneed they are prepared to use the franchise tag and are open to a trade off it if no long-term deal is reached. Sneed is agreeable to the scenario, giving him chance to talk with other teams while Kansas City remains in play. So, Jack, well, maybe we can save, I guess, the nuts and bolts for tomorrow. But initially, on the surface, that would lead me to believe that Chris Jones would be the top priority for the Kansas City Chiefs. Just initially. Would you agree with that sentiment, that Chris Jones is the top priority based on what we just saw there? Yeah, I think Chris Jones does have to be the top priority, and this is maybe something that hints at that a little bit. Whereas, you know, Chris Jones, there's nobody that can replace him right now. I know he's going to want a lot of money. People are already a little bit scarred and have a sour taste in their mouth about how he had the negotiation tactic last offseason. But the reality is LeJarrius Sneed does have a replacement and Trent McDuffie, and I'm sure they're going to get Joshua Williams and Jalen Watson in the rotation too, very experienced guys. The problem for the Chiefs is that with Chris Jones, who is the backup, right? Who is the guy that you feel confident can take his Neil spot? Neil Farrell. There you go. I mean, that, that tells you all we need to know. Uh, it's, the only guy, it's the only guy with a contract yeah. as a D-tackle right now. That's the only one. And even though Chris Jones is going to be a hefty price, I think it's one that you would be more willing to pay than maybe a big-time extension for LeJarrius Sneed, right? LeJarrius Sneed, too – I mean, he, he's always been a great slot cornerback. He has been good. He was a great number one this year. But the Chiefs have shown, shown in the past that they know how to draft and develop cornerbacks. I mean, Charvarius mm-hmm. Ward was their number one, and they yeah. let him walk to an expensive deal in San Francisco. The The luxury you have now is unlike Ward, who hit the free agent market and then you know had a, a three-year deal. You've got this opportunity to maybe work out a, a cheaper extension with Snead or – you can trade him to a team that will be desperate enough to give you up some picks or give you up some young value yeah. for this team. But to me, I've always kind of put Chris Jones in this category above LeJarrius Sneed because it is going to be a lot harder to replace Chris Jones than it would be for LeJarrius Sneed. Yeah. Yeah, no, for, for sure. Because um, I keep going back to <laughs> what the Chiefs have as of right now, and that's – and that's what they got. Oh, yeah, and someone on the text line just pointed this out, too. 316-247-0923. Don't forget about the kid that tore his knee up in training camp. Najee, right? Najee Johnson? Do no, I got uh, that right? Najee. Najee Johnson, yep. Yeah. So that's another one that I know that Kansas City really likes. The, the beautiful part is you got Trent McDuffie, who is looking like a, a star at this point. Might not be the biggest guy. Legereus Sneed, while incredible last year, you also have the the factor in some of the penalties that he had too. It's a little handsy, so on and so forth. But yeah, if you find someone that is desperate, Matt Derrick, I think it was Matt Derrick that pointed out that Brett Veach, if he really wants to go and get more picks, because right now Kansas City doesn't have a ton of draft capital. If you can go out and get some of those picks, I mean that's kind of what we saw with Tyree Kill. Don't know if you're gonna be able to get five draft picks like we saw. For Tyree Kill, but you'll be able to get a a pretty penny 
for Legereus Sneed. At least I feel like you could. And maybe it's a prettier penny than Chris Jones, who is aging a little bit more. Who knows? Anyways, we can come back to this tomorrow here on the show. I'm sure we'll have a moment to sneak it in. So we can talk more about Legereus Sneed and, and Chris Jones and all that stuff here on the show tomorrow. Thank you, Texter. Thanks for the reminder there. I was actually just thinking about about him. So job well done. Jack, it is a Tuesday. What do we got for Take-Two Tuesday? Anything crazy? Uh, pick your two dark horses to win the Big 12 tournament in Kansas City. The two dark horses. You can pretty much pick anyone. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm dead serious. You can pick... You could pick anyone. I could take all these teams, put them in my hat, and I wouldn't be surprised if if anyone comes out on top. I I mean, in this case, I guess KU's technically a dark horse because right now the the Jayhawks are the three seed in the Big 12. Iowa State is number two in the standings at 10-4. Houston is 11-3. and three. Oh, I, I don't really... I would probably rule out Kansas State. I would rule out BYU. TCU's probably one I would throw out there. And I know TCU has had its its up and ups and downs. But if there's one thing I know about TCU, the Horn Frogs can generate some turnovers and they could put up some points. And I would like to think that TCU would be able to do something like that. Kind of depends on where they fall, though. When it comes to the matchup right now, they're what the six, one, two, three, four, five, six. Yeah. So right now they're the six, and I guess in the same same light, you probably got to put maybe Texas Tech in there. But Tech has been so bad away from Lubbock. The the Red Raiders are two and six away from from Texas. Maybe you give a little bit of an edge to Baylor. Maybe Baylor's that 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 dark horse that can maybe. Find a way to do it. Maybe that's what I'm going to go with. I'll go with BY, uh, excuse me, Baylor and TCU. I'll just ride with that. I don't think you'll see much from BYU. I, they're too streaky for me. Oklahoma, I just don't know if there's enough there. Kansas State, don't know if there's enough there. Texas, for sure, no. Cincinnati, Central Florida, all those bottom teams, probably not. So I'll ride with, with Baylor and TCU. Those would be my two dark horses based on what I know about the Big 12. All right, we're officially done. So breaking news and a take two Tuesday to wrap up the show. If you missed any of our show today or any of the other shows, the Border Patrol, Shane Dinner Show, whatever, you can go and find the podcast page online at ESPNWichita.com. For producer Jack Johnson, I'm Pat Stroppin saying so long, Wichita. Enjoy the warm weather while you can. Bundle up tonight. And can't wait to talk to you again tomorrow at 2 o'clock right here on Wichita Sports Leader, ESPN Wichita, 92.3 FM. Wichita's new sports leader, ESPN Wichita, 92.3 FM, KKGQ, Newton.